Amen. God bless you. What an amazing time in worship we had. Let's just pray real quick um, and confirm what was in the worship song. Father, thank you that we accept your identity. We believe in who you've called us to be. We are who you say that we are, Father. And we're grateful for your identity in us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. What an amazing time. What, a, what, a, what an amazing worship team we have. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Chris, and it's such an honor and a privilege to be here today and, and be able to speak to you. But before I go any further, I just want to thank the leaders and the pastors of the house, Pastor Derek, Pastor Stacy. Can you just give it up for them? They're doing an amazing job here at Connect. I've learned so much from them, and I'm sure you have too. Can you light up the chat and just let them know how much you love them? Uh, we're so grateful. Today I have a message that's been on my heart I wanted to share. It's basically like the three steps of what I believe Christianity is. Uh, you've always, maybe you've heard this, not always, but how like Christianity is a life-changing spiritual journey. Well, I believe there are three steps into Christianity. It's basically a come to Jesus and, and this is where you spend time with him and you have an encounter with him and you actually know him for yourself. And then there's a second part, which is when he calls you to follow him. And in the Gospels, you see this written about 23 times. And it's, a, it's the part of the process where you're being discipled and you're being molded to think like Jesus and ask, what would he do? And then there's the part where you're ready and equipped and then you go and you make a difference. Uh, so I like to say that um, if I was to give a title to this message, I'd say in steps we trust. Obviously, uh, in God we trust. But because I believe there's a plan laid out very clearly in this pattern that I'm going to unpack today, we could also say in steps we trust. And so the big idea is basically that, hey, there's always a next step in your journey. And if you're not dead, keep moving forward. I want to talk to you about a story where at one point in my life, I was very young, not too long ago, and it was a trip I took, I believe it was to Mexico, and there, there was these, these pools in these underwater caves. And it, it was so awesome. Maybe you've been to, to, to some of these and you know what it's like. But the picture that I got was that the scene I'm about to tell you looks a lot like the process of our faith journey. And people would show up to this cave and there would be a high rise and people would, you know, get in line and they would run up to the top. And people would take turns jumping from the top and they would get into the water. And some people would, you know, get up to the top and they knew exactly what they were going to do. Some people did a, a cannonball. Some people did a jackknife. Some people went in head first. And it was like 30, 40 feet. And then you have certain people that they get to the top and then they, they run up to the edge and then they hesitate or they think about it over and maybe they overthink it. And, and then you start to like have these two types of crowds at the bottom. Some people start cheering you on, uh, you know, jump, jump, jump. But then some people start to like get frustrated and they say, get off the ledge, let the next person go. Don't be that guy. Well, guess what? I was actually that guy and there was a traffic jam that I created in this place. But when I tell you this story, eventually I jumped, I promise. But it was a safe kind of jump. And it, it reminded me of, you know, the picture of our faith journey because at some point we also hesitate and I want to unpack what keeps us sometimes from jumping into what God has called us to do in this three-step journey I wonder where are you and what has held you back or stopped you that you get to the ledge and then you stop and so we're going to explore that and maybe find some answers together but 
What I want to do is read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And this is the greatest call in the Bible, I believe, in Christianity. It's where Jesus is calling us to come to him. And you'll find it here on the screen, but if you could read along or even highlight this in your Bible. The Bible says, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Now, the, the call to come is, is, is one of the greatest calls. Um, and then you also find in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, that afterward Jesus went up to a mountainside. He called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Right? So there's a calling, and then there's a response. There's always a response that's needed when God calls you. And maybe that's different in how it shows up in your life. But if you continue to read, the Bible says that, he calls them to be with him. And then that he would send them out to preach the gospels, to have authority and to cast out demons. But there's an order here. And I believe that when he appoints the disciples that were to be with him and spend time with him, uh, that there's an order to the steps. And I would categorize it into maybe, I don't know, two categories. One is to be and the other one is to do. Because when you speak of like preaching and having authority and casting out demons... That's what you do for the sake of the gospel, and that's what Jesus would then send him out to do. But there's an order, and anytime you see an order of how things are written in the Bible, it's, it's meaningful, and it's, it's like that for a reason. It wasn't just coupled together abstractly without a purpose. And I believe sometimes we struggle in our following of our faith because we get the order wrong. You see, Jesus says, come and rest. He says, come and rest, and then he says, come and be. And sometimes we mix this up, and we want to do, and we want to earn without being. And so I think it creates frustrations and struggles, because then we're trying to follow someone that maybe we haven't really come to know very well personally. There's no filter to come to Jesus, but once you've spent time with him, this is the moment where transformation happens. Uh, meditate on this, if you will, with me. The reason why sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus is because we've gotten the order wrong. We truly haven't been or spent time with Jesus. Come and be is before take up your cross and follow me because it's hard to follow someone that you don't trust. And have you ever followed someone that you don't trust? How long can you really follow that person if you don't really know who they are? Now, what does it mean to be with Jesus? When we talk about like what that looks like, it, it, it speaks to time. It speaks to getting to know. Like today, I promise you if, even in this room, if the lights were to go off and someone grabbed a mic backstage, let's say it was my father, for example, and he called me by my name, I would immediately know whose voice that was. And, 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 and how do I know that? How does that come to be? How does that happen? It happens because I've spent enough time with my father to be able to recognize his voice. And I wonder, have you spent enough time with Jesus to, to recognize his voice or to even be able to speak on his behalf? The getting to know part of B is so fundamental that you even know the things he values before he even has to manifest that desire. And it happens even in our relationships of people that are the closest to us. Like if me and my wife, Madi, if we go to a restaurant, I know 
<laughs> I know to tell the waiter, you know, no tomatoes and no onions because she doesn't like that. So I can speak on her behalf because I've spent enough time with her to be able to speak to what she likes, to her values, and what she enjoys. And, and so when Jesus is asking his disciples to be with him, this is the greatest call. This is the most important part of our faith. Because I believe the presence of Jesus is actually the center of the universe. I believe the center of the will of God is when we spend time with Jesus. It's, that's why most leaders are always saying, hey, read your Bible, hey, fast, hey, do your devotionals, hey, pray. But I think the real intent of, of what they're trying to convey to us is that there is an, an, an importance to spending time with Jesus. And it's, it's not this thing that we should do out of obligation um, or be perceived as maybe a waste of time. And like Pastor Derek says, hey, if you're too busy to spend time with Jesus, well, then you're too busy. Uh, when we spend time with God, you don't waste it. When you spend time with Jesus, you gain time because you learn how to become before you do. I think a lot of time is wasted when we chase destinations, we chase dreams, we're chasing and we're striving and we're, we're trying to go for things that God has either placed in our hearts or even our own personal desires. And it feels like there's never a point of arrival. And th the reason why that happens, I believe, is this. It's because we need to learn first how to become the person that attracts the destination instead of focusing only on the destination. And in the presence of Jesus, you learn how to become. The presence of Jesus teaches us to become who he's called us to be. This is why out of all the things that God has called us to step into, being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus is the greatest call in the Bible. And in fact, it says in chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 9, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have re remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Do you know what really brings a sense of belonging? It's when you really know who the person is. If you look at the story of the disciples, you know, People love to talk about how Judas, he betrayed Jesus, but Peter actually did that three times. So what's the difference? The difference is this. Judas followed Jesus for the wrong reasons. And so he followed Jesus, not, never really knowing who Jesus was. But if you look at Peter, at one point in the story, Jesus asks the disciples, all of them, hey, who do men say that I am? And, and how come Judas didn't speak up and say, well, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ? It was because he didn't know who Jesus was. But what did Peter reply? He replied and he said, I know who you are. You are the son of God. And so I think this is what comes to play out in the future of their relationships. Even though Peter also betrays Jesus because he knew who Jesus was, he was able to follow him and be faithful until the end with his whole life. And so I wonder if you really know who you've been following. This is why, in my opinion, being able to spend time with Jesus and know who he is, is the greatest call of the gospel. Will you come to Jesus? Because before you follow, 
you need to allow yourself to become like Jesus. And becoming like Jesus is by spending time with him. The second point of the message is the part where you follow. Now, to follow first, you must deny, right? The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So you have to what? Deny to follow. So here's the recipe for a successful faith life. Don't think you know it all. I mean, following Jesus means you need to be open to discipleship. After you've spent time with Jesus, it's impossible not to fall in love with the things that he loves. And the opposite is true. And so are you open to discipleship? His molding, his teachings, his chiseling, his carving. For him to show you that maybe, just maybe, what you think is true or what the world has been saying is true may not work out in the long run. And I have an illustration to kind of unpack what I mean by this. You see, there's a, about a month ago, I had bought this really bougie uh, humidifier, as Pastor Devin would say. And after a certain point, it started to make this humming noise. And it wouldn't kick in until like 30 minutes or so after we've you know, gone to bed. And it'd be like, you know, this dead silence. We got the white noise on. All of a sudden, you get this coming from the humidifier. And so one day, I thought, well, I can handle this. And so I took out my tool belt. Come on, fathers everywhere. Home improvement. We got this. And I decided to take apart that humidifier. And I think I did a pretty good job, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, I took that puppy apart like it was nothing. Uh, I unscrewed all the parts. Of course, you know, I had to keep track of all the parts. Who does? No one does. You just, you just take it apart. And I quickly isolated the incident, and I used my go-to tool in these moments, which is, you know, military-grade duct tape. And I handled what I believe was the source of the problem. But what happened was, when it came time to put it back together, um, well, let's, let's just say I don't have a humidifier anymore. And the reason why I tell you this story is this. We spend most of our lives following our desires, if we're really honest. And, and so doing what we want gives us consequences where then we don't really know how to put it back together again. And so this is not a Humpty Dumpty story, but I promise you, when we come to Jesus, we become. And when we follow Jesus, we unlearn. Unlearning, write this down, is the secret to learning. It's the upside down kingdom, meaning what the world has told us to be true and to be an advantage and to be an edge, it may be wrong. The do you, you may only live once time is limited, actually fails in the long term because we understand that the things that really matter and outlast us are eternal. If you were to read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, it talks about God's kingdom and it says, we should love our enemies. Well, that's very different. We should turn the other cheek. Well, that goes contrary to what we see in society. It says that we should store up treasures in heaven, not in Bitcoin. <laughs> it says that we are blessed to be a blessing when we are persecuted, that we comfort when we mourn, that we inherit the earth if we are humble. So it's very contrary to a lot of the things that we hear. Jesus tells us, in essence, that everything we thought we knew about the good life about being blessed, about following God, maybe the way we think about it is actually wrong. 
And so when we follow Jesus, we start to learn the values of the kingdom, what the moral code of the Bible really teaches us and how we should respond. But it checks how we've been living our lives. And the truth is, if I were to depend on what I know, my experience, what I've done, versus what the Bible says, which one will you ascribe to? You see, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It flips everything we've learned on its head. And we don't make progress in God's kingdom by trying to get ahead or by looking out for number one. No, we don't. The way is narrow, the Bible says, and even backwards at times. And compared to the way of the world, true discipleship, honest, true, authentic discipleship is upside down. How could you unlearn that? How far have you followed Jesus? Maybe this is the spot where you hesitated. Maybe this is where you got up to the ledge and people were saying jump and you hesitated. Maybe this is where you stopped in your faith. Did you know that at one point like 70 disciples followed Jesus? Like, you know how that, they used to have that show on VH1, I believe it was like, where are they now? Like sometimes I ask myself, ask these questions as I'm reading the Bible. By the way, you should read the Bible like this. Just, just like ask questions out loud. The author has a tendency to answer you, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. So at one point, like 70 disciples followed Jesus. Like what happened to them? Only 11 made it through and continued. Why don't people follow Jesus, but they start well? And so what I want to say is this, finishing is greater than starting. You can't follow someone that you don't trust for too long. You can't trust someone that you don't know. You can't know someone that you haven't spent time with. You can't spend time with someone that you're not willing to be with. In what area have you trusted yourself versus God? Can I ask you an honest question? And I don't mean to indict anyone. This message goes both ways. In fact, before I even started speaking, I was even having a conversation with God about this, how I come short in this area quite a bit sometimes. How well do I really know God? How well do you know Jesus? And we always love to talk about how John, the youngest disciple, was called the beloved disciple, the closest disciple to Jesus. And what sometimes we forget is this. He was the disciple that reclined on the chest of Jesus, not because Jesus had favorites. And so it does not speak to a preference of Jesus for John. It speaks to a preference of John for Jesus. Where are our preferences? I wonder if we have hesitated in our following because we have preferred other things. As you answer that question or reflect on this, we quickly come to what would be next, which is go, which is the catalytic, equipped, ready or not, go make a difference into this world. And we find that if you have faith, well, guess what? Faith equals action. Obviously, we know the Bible says that we are saved by grace, through faith, but we're saved by grace. But the Bible also says that faith without works is dead. And so we need to understand that faith equals action. And so the Bible says in Matthew 28, 16, many of you know this verse. It's the Great Commission. Verse 19 says, therefore, go. Action verb, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this is the time in our faith where typically we take action, but sometimes we forget what we have unlearned. When we go, we must understand that every kingdom has a king, and it's not about us. It's about what he is trying to do. It's not whether we understand the mission. It's not whether do we get what's going on. It's not whether, like, am I bought in? It's really about what is the king of the kingdom doing and how can we support what he is already asking us to do? I think a lot of times we waste so much energy and prayer time and, you know, uh, so much effort in curiosity trying, to, trying to, to ask God to bless something. Well, what about, what about stepping into what God has already blessed? Maybe that's the shortcut. Maybe asking God, what are you looking to do? What is God planning? What is on his heart? I think the shortcut to success is paving a way in a direction God has already given us. And so I think Connect as a church does a phenomenal job. I mean, we have Next Steps. Many of you have been through Next Steps. And if you're here watching this for the first time and you're thinking about joining the Connect family, we have a program that has four steps that can empower you to follow these three steps of the gospel. We have step one, and basically here at Connect, we do four things, and it's, it's symbolized in the four steps of next steps, which is we want you to know God, and then we want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose and then make a difference. Do you see the three steps embodied in that program? And so when I talk about how God moves in the gospel, there's also a pattern it's not just come, follow, go. And I want you to lean in in this moment as I wrap the message so that you can truly understand the pattern of how God moves. Now, in every generation, God has moved differently. But although he has moved differently, he has followed a pattern. And let me remind you of a story just so that you can understand what I'm seeing. Do you remember when the people of God were released from the bondage of the Egyptian pharaoh and they were released into the wilderness, into the desert, and millions of people followed Moses out to the promised land? A two-week trip, some say, that took 40 years. But as they stepped into the darkness and the coldness of night, the Bible says that God then revealed himself as fire. And then in the brightness and in the heat of the day, the Bible will then tell us that God reveals himself through a cloud. Isn't it interesting that God always reveals himself opposite of his surroundings? And so in a time where we are stepping out of a pandemic, wouldn't it be just like God to reveal himself as a healer? And wouldn't it be just like us to be believing that we can play a part in this season. I believe that there is something in store. I believe that God is getting ready to pour out miracles, signs, and wonders across the body of Christ in the United States and globally. I believe we are about to step into a major expression of faith as a movement this country has never seen before. I speak from a place of abundance because in God there is no scarcity. And so 
as we step into a major expression of faith where we will reach our communities, where we will go into the Metro West region, and we will reach our schools, reach Gen Z, serve our communities through the local church, empowered, foster the orphans, will you commit in this urgent hour with a faith-filled response to go, to act, to do, and to make a difference? Will that be you? Will you go? Will you serve? Will you join? Will you jump? Is that you? You see, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, even before, look at how interesting this is, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. And so if you had any doubt as to if you were chosen for such a moment in a season in a time as this, there it is. You were chosen in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And so as I close, I want to speak to those that maybe have never had the opportunity to start with come. And I have challenges for everybody who's in the three parts of the gospel story. But first, I want to speak to you if, if you're watching from your home or later on on YouTube or another platform that we have. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to respond to Jesus. You see, Jesus has said come and he never stopped saying come. And it's come as you are, come just the way you are, come from where you are. And if you're watching and you've never had this opportunity to make the greatest decision of your life, can I give you that opportunity to respond officially and here? The Bible says in John 3:16 that if you believe, you receive. What do you receive? Everlasting life and that you will not perish. Would you like to receive the free gift of salvation? If that's you, we would like to pray for you. I want to give you the opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus as he wants to welcome you into his family. If that's you, could you just text your decision to what's on the screen, to the number on the screen, or even in the chat? We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you walk through that decision. And so if that's you, you want to make a decision that will change your life forever. I promise you, this decision is the one that changes your life forever. We believe that once you say yes to Jesus, in a moment you have destiny change. And in a process, you'll have life transformation. Can we help you walk through that decision? If that's you, engage with us in the chat. Text that decision to that number. And we would love to be a part of empowering you to know more about that decision that you just made. And now I wanna to speak to a different group of people. Maybe you've come to Jesus and you've hesitated at the part where it's about being molded and being discipled. Can I encourage you to be open to the way that God wants to do things may be the best way? And there are so many parts of this community that you can be a part of that you can learn, that you can be discipled. So if that's you, if you have come to a point in your faith where you've accepted Jesus, but you don't really know much about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to live a life like Jesus, to walk in his shoes and to live his teachings? We have small groups, we have small group leaders. We would love to have the opportunity to give you a fresh start and to allow you and to give you a pathway 
so that you can learn more about that decision to be discipled by the master himself. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we are saved. And when we believe in him, we are saved. But then when we believe what God has to say about us, we are transformed to reign, even here in this realm. That happens when you start to follow Jesus. And I want to speak to a different crowd, and maybe this is you, and you're in that third part of the journey where it's about making a difference. It's about the go. It's about the putting into action what you have believed for. And usually this, this overflows from a place of indebtedness because God has been so good to you. God has been so good to us. And, and not that every day has been amazing, but that he has been with us through thick and thin. And my invitation to you, my challenge to you is, will you go? Will you be a part of Connect's vision? Will you serve to make a difference through the local church? If that's you, Maybe you're home, maybe you're watching this, and at one point, three months ago, four months ago, before the pandemic, maybe a year, you used to serve, you used to be a part of the family here. And what would happen, what would happen was maybe, you know, things happened, you got distracted. What if now is the right time? We have so much vision for how we want to re-engage our community. And we know that change isn't done by one person. It's, it's, it's executed through the sacrifice of many. And maybe God's pulling on your heartstrings today to make a decision to serve. What I want you to do, if that's you, if you want to get involved, if you want to get involved in what God is doing through Connect, can you just chat with us here? Can you just text a response to that number? We would love to show you the many areas that you can come and make a difference here at this church. Hey, as we come to an end, I just want to thank you for your time. And I hope that this message would challenge you to keep moving forward. Hey, and remember, there's always a next step. What is yours? I hope that you would take that today and keep moving forward in your faith. God bless you. We'll see you next time.